0: Breaking the fast and drawing together. The Iftar at Ramadan.
1: You will hear people talk about generating empathy and purifying oneself. The things that have accumulated from the world on us, the the desire for food, the desire to spend money, the desire to entertain ourselves. Because as you pull back from the calls of the world, you're making space for God to enter your life more fully. Ramadan is the sense of, literally it means the burning. And and so something about that burning, really purifying yourself, like what is it, smelting when you try to purify metal? It really feels like that process is happening.
0: This is Beliefs. I'm Bill Baker. The holy month of Ramadan is a 30-day fast from sunup to sundown. It's a remarkable testament to faith performed by millions of Muslims every year. The fast is traditionally broken with water and three dates. To unpack the deeper meaning behind the fast of Ramadan, Beliefs producer Jay Woodward sat with Dr. Hussein Rashid, Islamic scholar and educator.
2: Hussein Rashid, thank you for joining us on Beliefs.
1: Thanks for having me on today.
2: So, I wanted to start by asking you if you could tell me anything that you remember about the first time you went through the fast of Ramadan?
1: So I I think rather than the first time I went through the fast uh, for religious purposes is thinking about the first time I did it on my own away from family, which was when I was at college, because then I actually had a choice to do it. And I remember thinking, why is this so hard? (laughs) It's very hard to do it by yourself and you just realize how important community is in what is essentially a very private act, to eat or not to eat.
2: Had you had you had much experience doing the fast for religious purposes inside
1: your family? My father had done it since I was young. I remember him doing it every year. I hadn't completed a whole month uh, until I got to college. What made you decide that
2: you wanted to tackle that fast finally, on your own? Yeah.
1: You know, my parents were very um, Understanding in terms of whether I chose to practice in particular ways or not, for them it was very important that I find my own path. You know, for me it was I was struggling with what it meant to be somebody of faith uh, by myself, and what would I practice as a result. I needed to do it to find out for myself what I believed and how I would b- express that belief.
2: What was the ecosystem like for a Muslim in in that time? Was there a lot of support for this? Were there others?
1: Uh, so when I was at Columbia, which was in the 90s, and I want to try very hard not to give you a year, uh, but when I was at Columbia in the 90s, there really wasn't an ecosystem for this. There was a you know, moderately functioning Muslim Students Association that got together for prayers, and that was about the extent of it. And, and when I was there, it was whatever you could do with your friends to, to get it going. So.
2: So it was just, it was a pickup game.
1: It, it, that's a great way. It was, it was a pickup game, right? And there was, there was lots of bad pizza and lots of bad diner food. Um, and I don't mean bad that the food itself was bad, but that's not the best thing to be breaking your fast with. So,
2: A lot of our listeners will know that Ramadan is a 30-day fast. But tell me what the significance of that is. How did the fast come to
1: be? What it does for Muslims is you'll find all sorts of different theology around this. At its core you will hear people talk about generating empathy and purifying oneself. The things that have accumulated from the world on us, the, you know, the desire for food, the desire to spend money, the desire to entertain ourselves. Because as you pull back from the calls of the world, you're making space for God to enter your life more fully. Ramadan is the sense of, literally it means the burning. And, and so something about that burning really purifying yourself, like, what is it, smelting when you try to purify metal? It really feels like that process is happening. Um, and in the winter, the fasts are shorter, and so it feels like you have to be much more thoughtful and intentional, you know? So right now, the fast time for me to break is around 8.30ish. By about four o'clock, about 12 hours later, I'm I'm feeling it, and, and I think what that does is, it makes you realize that we have these components as human beings. We have our body, we have our mind, our intellect, and we have our soul and our spirit. And all of these have to work together to nourish each other. And you can't find balance by only focusing on one.
2: Tell me a little bit about the logistics of breaking a fast. You know, the fast is, um, it's got its significance, but breaking a fast can be just as significant as well, right?
1: Absolutely. So breaking the fast is one of the most wonderful things about the month and it's not just about uh, getting to eat again it's also about that sense of community uh, of coming together because it is a specific time and so everybody has to do it at the same time you know we get lots of questions when you fast you can't even drink water and the answer is no not even water Uh, but nobody asks about what it means for us to break the fast and the prophet muhammad peace be upon him and his family His tradition, his custom, was to break with a date and some water. And so that is how we do it still to this day, emulating whom we believe to be the person God sent as the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, We eat a date and we drink some water. We offer our prayers and then we get into the full meal. Is there a prayer that goes uh, right at that moment? Um, So... When one breaks the fast, there are different communities of Muslims, so depending which community you belong to, there are different prayers that are uttered, but there's always a, a thankfulness to God, uh, there's always a request to accept the fast, that God accepts the fast that we're offering, um, to be thankful for God for the ability to fast, and the thankfulness for the food that we eat, The we call uh, risk um, our daily sustenance. Mm
2: using that moment as a springboard. Uh, A lot of faiths talk about the personal relationship to the divine and how that informs theology, it informs behavior, it informs the structure of a church, of a liturgy. What's the relationship to Allah, the divine, in that moment?
1: When Muslims engage in any act, um, the ideal is that you're always doing it with intention, and you're saying, oh God, please accept this. That you're doing it not just for yourself, but you're doing it for the sake of God, because God has told you to do this. And so you're, offer- you're making an offering to God. And in Muslim thought, the believer has direct access to the divine. At the same time, you know the Quran talks about God being closer to us than our jugular vein. There's a real intimacy to that relationship. And the Quran also talks about God as a light, the light of the heavens and the earth. And if you think about trying to describe light, trying to hold light, trying to taste light, you can't do it. So God is both described as imminent and intimate and transcendent. And if I were to think about the things that are commanded in the Quran or the prayers that are given to us in the Quran, they're always about bettering oneself, but not for the sake of oneself that you better yourself in order to better help others. It's always thinking about reflect and learn, reflect and do. In other words, think about something and then do something about it. Don't just, you know, don't collect all these degrees so you can sit in an ivory tower, but go out into the world and say, what is happening there? don't fast just for the sake of fasting, but fast to think about who is, what are you doing for the sake of God? Is this the best community that you can create? Uh, one, of the, one of the things that we're constantly told in the Quran is compete with other people in doing good works, right? And that, that is a very different way of seeing the world than just saying go do be the best that you can be, right? It's what is a good thing I could do as I'm making myself better. If I get a better job and I have more money, what is the good I can do with that extra money? Um, I love that. You're iterating. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it, yes, we're iterating. You're iterating, I mean, it's iterations, but it does seem like it stands in contrast to a Western idea of do good for yourself's sake and the community comes later. Can you tell me about
1: that a little? So. I think when you engage with a faith tradition, Christians and Jews, and I get into their scriptures and I think there's a real consistency in messaging, which for most of that makes sense because we consider the Torah and the Gospels and the Psalms as part of the same revelation as the Quran, that it's always about being held to a higher standard and obligations to God And those obligations to God are expressed in obligations to other people, to community. And I think that what has happened in uh, the Western philosophical tradition in its attempt to get away from any sense of religiosity has elevated the human being to such an extent that the person is the greatest object of veneration that we can have.
2: Um, What do you feel is the most misunderstood element of your faith or your beliefs?
1: I think what people misunderstand are the things that they don't necessarily want to ask of themselves. So one of the things I try to encourage people to do is if you're going to ask a Muslim a question, why do you do X? ask yourself the parallel question first why do i do x for me and i think it gives you a better question because you're a little bit more reflective and helps you understand maybe what muslims do isn't so foreign but i th- you know so why do muslims pray five times a day if you're a believing person well why do you pray on sundays let's say if you're a christian if you're catholic let's say um, what does prayer mean to you? Then you can ask the question, then not why do you pray? Because if you ask the question, well, I pray because God tells me to, you're not going to get a different answer from a believing person. But you, can, you what you then do is ask, can I ask you what prayer means to you? That's a much better question. It's a much richer conversation. And it allows you to recognize that what the Muslim you're asking of is also a human being who's not so different from you. I think the one bit of information I would want just pure factual information that I want somebody to know. Reading the Quran two nights ago, we read the chapter on Mary, mother of Jesus, peace be upon them. It's the only chapter named after a woman uh, in the entire Quran. Mary's also the only woman mentioned by name in the entire Quran. She is mentioned more than Prophet Muhammad and is mentioned more in the Quran than she is in the canonical gospels. And I think that people just don't realize how invested Muslims are in the traditions of the prophets who came before, whether that's Jesus, Mary, Moses, Isaac, Ishmael, Abraham, Adam, that these are part of our tradition as well and the deep love and veneration we have for these individuals.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, when I ask people to reflect themselves, what it is they want to ask, It's not a question of knowing what you don't know because you don't know what you don't know. Um, And I'm always open. I tell my students this and I tell, when I go to community gatherings, I said, feel free to ask me, but ask with the intention to learn. And I think good learning is always, can I answer this on my own myself? In other words, just because I see somebody there, am I offloading the hard work of intellect? (laughs) You know, don't start with the assumption a person who is unfamiliar to you is different than you, right? There is something about the commonality of human experience. And so I, I lead with the question of prayer because I think for believing people, why we pray is often very similar is because my divinity demands it of me. I shouldn't say that. My divinity asks me of it. We always have the choice to, to reject that ask, but my, my God asks it of me. Um, and assume that there's some commonality there, right? So that's, that's a conversation ender. Here's a question. Here's an answer. We haven't spent time together. If you ask me, what does prayer mean to me? Well, it depends on the day of the week. It depends what prayer. It depends what's happening in my life. And now all of a sudden we can have an interesting conversation, you know, where maybe the questioner, the interviewer can say, oh, I never thought about that, right? Going to to Mass uh, around Easter means something very different to me than going to Mass on the middle of July, you know? Like, it's just a different feel, it's a different understanding. So I, I, I think that what I ask for when you ask a question, is, is it a question that invites you to create a relationship or is it a question that You haven't spent enough thinking about yourself in the meaning in your own life that you want to put onto somebody else. Are we asking the right questions these days? Um, I thought the questions around Islam were particularly bad after 9-11 in part because we don't take religion seriously in this country. We consider ourselves very religious and don't want to talk about religion at all. And then I felt the questions were getting better for a while. And then you had this whole push to say, Islam isn't a religion, um, you know, which comes out of interesting, very anti-Semitic tropes of Judaism not being a religion. Um, and the questions got really basic again. Um, I don't believe that they're bad questions, but I feel like as a society, we should be moving forward in our knowledge, not always retreating away from knowledge. And unfortunately, it feels like the last decade at least, we've just been running away from learning about the world, um, which saddens me in many ways as an American.
2: Is there any hope that it's a pendulum swinging instead of a general tectonic shift?
1: You know, we are a a country that has produced um, amazing uh, educational systems, right? Uh, Mandatory universal education for kids, Amazing public university systems, uh, you know, the SUNY system, the CUNY system, obviously the Ivy Leagues, uh, and the whole range in between. So I believe as a country, we want to know more. Um, But I think right now we're so afraid of the world and we're so afraid of the economy that everything's become uh, about the dollar. and, uh, and, and, And I understand that. I mean, people need to survive. But I think we've stopped investing in the future, and I'm hoping we can get back to that. Hussein
2: Rashid, thank you so much for joining us on Beliefs.
1: Thank you so much, Arthur.
0: Our guest was religious scholar and educator Dr. Hussein Rashid. The conversation continues on our Facebook page, and we tweet at Beliefs Podcast. If you like our program, come review us on iTunes. Beliefs is brought to you with the support of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University. Jay Woodward is our producer. The theme music is by Edward Billis. I'm Bill Baker. Thank you for listening and tell a friend.